Hello and welcome back to Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and we have a very professional wrap-up show. Um, so with this, this trilogy, um, it all started off of our love of Jack Palance, and as we were looking through his IMDb, I noticed The Professionals, which is one of my favorite westerns of all time, has a lot of really great lines that I like to quote. Um, we got into in, in the primary episode, and then kind of from there, kind of, you know, backfilled it. We were like, okay, we could do Leon the Professional, which is a movie that I know Travis is probably in one of his top ten, absolutely loves that movie. And then we had to throw something else in, and then by virtue is like, okay, well, we're going with like a professional theme. What if it's like, you know, it's uh, it cascades. So we'll start with semi-pro, which is by far the, the most different in the bunch. So we start with semi-pro, beyond the professional, and then graduated to the professionals. Um, so with that said, Travis, uh, I'll hand it off to you. Do you, do you want to do quick synopsis, synopsis of, of how you felt about the three movies and kind of how they, they compared? <clears throat> Well, I know Semi Pro is your any, favorite, so <laughs> I was gonna say if anybody out there, you know, is a relative or f- close friend of anybody involved in the Semi Pro production, I apologize because uh, I feel like this movie is the redheaded stepchild of the trilogy. So I did take the effort to in our character swap, which is where we take a character from any movie of the trilogy and transport them into another. I did go ahead and use semi-pro in that, but beyond that, I, I don't have much to say about semi-pro. So um, that being my, said, the other two movies I thought were phenomenal. So I'll yeah. kind of just leave it out there to you to general thoughts, and then maybe we can get so into the details. I, I thought a long and hard about what I think a lot of the problem with semi-pro was just fundam- fundamentally as, as a movie. Um, and why it falls so short compared to the other two. And I know it's a little bit of comparing apples to oranges because Semi-Pro is supposed to be a comedy, whereas the other two are ba- are much more of an action-adventure um, type movie. But at the same time, I think there's fundamentals to, to movie making that you can follow. And I, I think a major part of Leon and the Professionals is the characters are so well-defined and explored in those movies. And I feel like I don't know if this is... A symptom of Will Ferrell and kind of what was going on in like the the early to mid 2000s where he was kind of a cash cow. But um, Will Ferrell comes off to me as what I'm categorizing as a as a faux antagonist character where all of the, you know, promotional material and everything implies that he is the protagonist, the character, even throughout the movie. Like the whole thing is it's his business and he's trying to get into the NBA. But at the at the end of the day, he really isn't the main character. But they still put too much emphasis on him to allow Woody Harrelson or Andre 3000 to be the main character. And even though, you know, The Professionals is a great example of you have four characters. I would say two of them are primary, two of them are kind of secondary that kind of help move the story along. But all of them play their part, whereas I think Semi-Pro winds up being just a hodgepodge of like random stories. And I think we talked about this. It's like it's kind of like a platypus where it was like it was or like table scraps. They just kind of scraped everything that maybe they had an idea for other movies and into one movie and it just it fell flat because you don't care about any of the characters their motivations don't make a whole lot of sense they're very two-dimensional and at the end of the day even though it is a comedy it's supposed to be a little bit more lighthearted, it winds up feeling just disingenuous i think yeah and that's the other thing i thought about when just kind of reviewing this overall trilogy is I do believe now that comedy is the most difficult thing to accomplish, but 
That being said, the problem I have with Semi-Pro in comparison with the other two movies in this trilogy, The Professional and The Professionals, is I laughed a lot more in The Professional and The Professionals than I did in Semi-Pro. So mm -hmm. I almost wonder, is the pure comedy dead? Because when you can make a movie that's a drama or an action or sci-fi and then introduce elements of comedy, does that render the pure comedy obsolete? My problem is I think modern comedy – and obviously there's outliers to this that are doing it well. But I think a lot of modern comedy is subject to trying to be an SNL episode where instead of it being a whole bunch of scattered skits, they try and make it the same character. But at the same time, it's still very much segmented. And it's like there's not a whole lot of flow to it. Essentially, it's a bunch of – they've written a bunch of gags and jokes, and now they have to try and loosely connect all of these stories together in order to try and make it a narrative. And that's where it always winds up falling short is like, if that's going to be your approach, then those segments, those sketches have to be absolutely hysterical because every time one ends, I'm going to be disconnected from it because now you're, you're shoehorning in narrative just so you can get to the next sketch. And that, I think that roller coaster of like, okay, here's something to pay attention to. Here's, you know, gray matter that doesn't matter. I think it winds up making the movie not funny as a whole because Again, it, it you get disconnected from what's going on, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, I, I'm thinking of a previous review that we did, which I know is not the intent of this wrap-up, but like something like King of Staten Island. I hated that, but if I had seen Semi-Pro first, I think I would appreciate King of Staten Island, which to me, my overall message is if you're going to make a comedy – you can't start from the root of I'm going to make a comedy. You have to make the characters lived in, whether it be a drama, action, whatever, and then build the comedy from the interactions of the characters. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just going pure comedy, like you said, it just becomes SNL. It's two hours with 12 to 15 minute skits making that runtime. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you were in the writer's room, especially for semi-pro if it was a lot of the jokes came, you know, if it was the chicken or the egg type thing, did they have the jokes and then they tried to fit it into a narrative or did they have the narrative of, okay, this is a movie semi-pro. And then once you had a really strong foundation of what the movie was, okay, where are there opportunities to insert jokes or comedy or like how would, you know, these characters interacting, how can we make this a more humorous situation? And I, I would be interested to see which one succeeds more often than not. Cause I'm thinking back to like an animal house, or even you know, more modern, like a Wedding Crashers, both of those are, there's a narrative to that movie of what's what's going on, and then there's a situation those characters are put on based off of the narrative that allows it to flourish and be comical, but it's not one of these where it feels like jokes were written outside of the movie and then put into it. It, it felt like it was, it was kind of a flow, you know? It's I guess, like, the best written songs is when you write the music and the lyrics at the same time because, so that they actually marry each other, as opposed to, you know trying to, to to build the two separate and then seeing where you can mash them up. Definitely agree. And, and not to get too meta, but I think that's where as the Hollywood chop shop, we're going to have to consider because I would like to have comedy more represented in what we review, but I think we have to be selective with the comedy because something like semi pro that we just picked because it had professional in the title 
it, it didn't work out. So comedy is not dead, but I think you have to be much more intentional with your comedy. Yeah, semi-pro falls into that weird category where it's not so bad it's fun to watch and kind of kind of rip on and it's not good enough to actually talk about as a movie as a standalone so it winds up in this weird limbo where like it's really not worth watching or even talking about like you know it's it is unenjoyable i think is the the best way to to define it like there's even movies that i've hated that there's some merit to it and like i said semi pro just felt like as we said it just table scraps that got thrown together and like there's there's parts of the movie where I'm like, this could have been good had it had a little bit more, you know, been built out a little bit. And it's just, it, it winds up being, again, just a, I mean, milk toast movie. Like, it is as average as possibly can be. Um, I feel bad Andre 3000 was in the movie because I think this is a time where he was trying to really solidify himself in, in Hollywood as an actor. Um, and I've seen him in roles that I've really enjoyed him in, and I'm like, this had to hurt his credit. You know, Will Ferrell and Woody Harrelson could, could you know, withstand uh, a picture like this. But I'm wondering, like, Andre 3000, as he's, as he's trying to continue getting into Hollywood, did this kind of set him back, and, and you know, because he was in, in this flop? Yeah, it's a calculated risk on Andre 3000's part, and unfortunately it failed for him because, I mean, I'll, I'll be straight up with you. Ultimately, he's a black actor and they have less opportunities. So he tied his wagon to this. And we talked about it on the semi-pro podcast. It seemed like a layup, you know, basketball pun intended. But as we know, it went wrong. So it went wrong for the director who he has Never the opportunity to fall back on being a producer. Yeah. And an executive. Whereas Andre 3000, that was his shot as an actor. And it was a miss. Yep. I also want to go ahead and just, and then we'll get, I'll get off of semi-pro. If you have more you want to talk about, we can. But um, I also don't think that the title of the movie makes any fucking sense whatsoever. The more, it wasn't until after we recorded the episode, I'm like, semi-pro implies like they're a triple A team or like they're, they're a farm league team. But I'm like, no, it was a completely different league. Like it was the merging of two professional leagues and they got left out. I'm like, they weren't semi-pro. They were just like, they weren't brought in with the merger. You know, am I wrong in thinking that? That it really, the more like, it doesn't make sense why you would call them semi-pro? No, you're right. Semi-pro implies that they have full-time jobs outside of playing basketball. No, the ABA was very much a competitor of the NBA, but much like competition, one is going to rise above the other. The NBA just happened to be the more successful league, but the ABA was 100% professional. That's like calling the XFL semi-pro. Exactly. Like, they don't make as much money, but even then, even at this time, NBA, ABA, the, the salaries were comparable. It's just mm -hmm. one league was better at marketing, one was more successful, and we're in bigger cities, and that's the end of it. Yeah. So even just at the name, this movie was flawed. <laughs> just, just immediately walking into it, but... Um, so, you know, to, to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the professional and the professionals, um, again, we, we, I think we both really enjoyed these movies. Um, they, they definitely, they cater to, as we were talking about, following a really good narrative. Like, it seemed like the movie knew the direction and what they were trying to do with it. Um, I, the professionals definitely has a little bit of some pacing issues, I think, that, that could have been resolved. But at the end of the day, it was was still a very strong um 
contender in the, in the Western, you know, um, genre. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I mean, I think as much as we gave some slight complaints to the pacing of the professionals, again, that's a 1966 movie. So while some of it could have been trimmed, I was incredibly impressed with the pacing. And I think we complimented the professional as being the ultimate tight movie. I mean, we talked about just for example, old Tony, you could have a scene where he gets tortured or you could just have a scene where he's beat up and you know that it happened. So mm-hmm. efficiency, I mean, the prof- the professional is the peak of that, but the professionals, even for 1966, I'm nitpicking when I complain about the pace. Yeah. It is one of those, I hate to say this in a world of, you know, the fact that, you know, you don't really get that many original or new IPs. I would love to see professionals remade, but like, with a, a good director and, and screenwriter, like it's one of those, I, I want to see it remade. Um, I guess you could say respectfully, like I don't need someone else putting a giant spin on it. Like I would just love to see it modernized where maybe if they did tweak the pacing and then, you know, you did have the action sequences wound up being a little bit more up to modern standards. Like how good, like would that movie just exceed and just become like, you know, a new modern classic type thing, you know, you don't get a whole lot of modern Westerns. And I'm just wondering, like, if you were to take that movie as a blueprint and try and, and, you know, stay true to it and then just kind of modernize it. Again, we talked about Pedro Pascal playing Raza, like gets, you know, your A-list actors and I'm like, I, I just think that that would be an absolutely phenomenal movie. But again, it's one of those like you risk that, okay, if someone remakes it, are they going to completely like, is it going to be an Italian job situation where you find out like the two movies share a name, but they have nothing else in common? Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I mean, look at the Magnificent, Magnificent Seven. I mean, that's another Western classic that was remade with Denzel Washington and Chris Pratt. Did you see that? Uh, I have not seen that yet. Uh, it it falls prey to exactly what you're worried about, where they just it's uh it's an Antoine Fuqua project, and they completely lose the spirit of the original. So uh, the professionals is ripe for a remake, but like you said, you have to take the skeleton of what you've got because it's great. Don't deviate too much from it; just modernize it. Yeah, exactly. I don't think modern Hollywood can do that. They don't have that restraint. Yeah, I, I don't want to remake. I just kind of want a refresh. I just want to polish what's there. <laughs> you know, that's I want the core of that movie to stand there, and and again to to fix the 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 few little problems we had. You know, and even to the point where I would love it to be somebody. I don't know if I want to say Tarantino, but somebody to that state, maybe a, a Christopher Nolan, who has an appreciation for I think some classic cinematography and just the way movies used to be shot. Maybe instead of having somebody that's going to go in there with a bunch of CG and, and green screen, like I would love to see all of this shot on on location. Um, and like I said, I just, I just think it's I think it's such a, a great movie that that really could be updated in. You know, I hate to say Oscar bait, but I mean, it was up for a bunch of Oscars in this in 66. And I think the core script is is still worthy of uh, could go up against a lot of movies that are in the Oscars today, especially with as progressive as it was. No, I agree, especially when you live in a world where Spider-Man gets rebooted every five years. This movie is from 1966 and it has not had any sort of refresh or update. I'm sure it's you know, been the root of a lot of other stories, but 
this is a prime example of a very good movie that could be great. And if we're already remaking everything, you know, let's go ahead and do it. Um, and also, Travis, with the introduction of the Spider-Verse and the Multiverse, I don't think we can classify them as reboots anymore. Now they're all part of the same universe, you know, shared multiverse. So I, I just want to make sure that you're using the correct terminology when we're referring to Spider-Man and the many more spinoffs that will happen. My apologies. I forgot that Marvel had put a, a fresh coat of paint on on the franchise. You're right. You're right. It's not a fresh coat of paint on the term reboot. reboot. It's a multiverse. Yeah. There's no more reboots in superhero movies. Okay. Now we just have a new universe that might or might not interact with the other universes if, you know, we can make enough money off of it. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah. I mean, how cynical Hollywood is. Maybe that played a role in me loving the professionals, but it just it felt of a different era. Mm -hmm. All righty. Now that we've kind of, you know, summed up what we, you know, looking at the three movies, what you know compared to each other, what we think they did really well. Um, I think we'll go ahead and, and jump into a couple of our quick segments here. Um, I think the first one, we'll we'll kind of split up how the rating stuff. So I think first we'll do our our ratings of the three movies, objective and subjective. So objective is us trying to look at it as a movie critic looking at just fundamentally what the movie, what we think is the best movie to the worst movie. Subjective is obviously there's a lot of nostalgia that gets put into stuff. There's certain characters you fall in love with, and it winds up meaning that you typically like a movie maybe more than it than objectively you should. So that's why we like to try and break that into two segments. Um, and then I think we'll do our character swap, and then we'll finish out with Travis. I'll have you guess, you know, using Rotten Tomatoes as our baseline, what movie you think uh critically was you know uh the most successful and then people's choice which movies you thought the the people liked the most so we'll we'll see what the ranking is there so with that explanation i'll, I'll hand it over to you objectively travis will rank the movies for us we have 2008's semi-pro 1994's the professional and 1996 or sorry 1966's the professionals Um, I think for me, it's it's going to be the same order both times. So I'll, I'll try to get my thoughts out now. Okay. Uh, number one, The Professional. Mm -hmm. There's no question for me. Um, it's, it's easily in my top ten action films. And I think action is my favorite genre. So I put a lot of thought into it. Um, but just, again... Why watch something like Semi-Pro when you can watch The Professional and have action, drama, and laugh more than you would in a pure comedy? Um, and then we talked about Natalie Portman, a debut performance of all times. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's easily my number one. What I'm shocked by is not too far behind is The Professionals. Um we talked about it on the professionals review. I hate old movies. I cannot believe how much I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> like before we got on to record, I was like, I wonder if YouTube has any clips from this. And it certainly does, including the Raza speech. So I was like, it gave me some confidence that a movie like this is not completely lost in the zeitgeist. Uh, I want more of it. So it's easily number two. And like I said, it's on the heels of Leon, which stuns me. And then semi-pro fucking is trash, and it's always going to be third in this trilogy. 
it's only third because we have to put it in there. Otherwise, we would have just left it off, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, this could have been a 10-part trilogy, and I think Semi-Pro would have been number 10. <laughs> yeah, and the, the only problem with us doing these in trilogies is that Semi-Pro got third, and on paper, that makes it look all right until you put it, it was out of three. <laughs> Yeah, I also said a 10-part trilogy, which uh, is kind of dumb. But <laughs> Well, no, it's just 10 I mean. trilogies, so it would be 30th is what you're saying. There, thank you, thank you. Yeah, exactly I, I totally I got, I, I got what you're saying, yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. Um, what about you? Um, so I think mine will change a little bit. I think objectively, I'm going to agree with you. I think I, uh, Leon is, is probably overall the better movie. I think it's definitely one of those. It does benefit from having, you know, 50 plus years of cinema history to kind of lean on to see what's successful or not to your point um natalie portman's performance is outstanding i think leon winds up being a little bit more intimate because you don't have as many characters and there's not as quite as much to follow um you know even with it being a little problematic of you know maybe the times it was going on i i think legitimately leon is is the better movie uh, followed up with the professionals, um, the cinematography in that movie I think is great. I think the script writing was was stellar, and even the performances are are really great at that time. Um, from you can't, I can't think of anybody who I I thought I was like, man, that was just a really flat performance. Like, there's definitely the people who get more screen time, but there was nobody who I just blatantly like, what are you doing in this movie? You, you know, I have no idea why you're here. So I appreciated that a lot. And then semi pro again, it's just. You know, it's got some some great names and some some uh, some familiar faces, but it's just what a dog shit movie that was. It's just absolutely not worth thing worth watching whatsoever. Um, when I jump over to the subjective side, I honestly think uh, to, if with me it is neck and neck with the professionals and the professional. I think I might still would watch the professionals more than I would watch Leon. Um, it's still, they're both in my rotation of like, I'm probably going to watch those, both of those movies every couple of years. I'm going to wind up, and I say every couple of years because there's so many movies out there. Like to say, I'm, oh, it's not like Christmas or, you know, a fucking holiday movie. It's like, well, I have a designated time. This is when I watch Leon every year or anything like that. Um, but I, I think The Professionals does hold a little bit of sentimental value to me. And just, again, being able to watch it objectively and say like, oh, no, this movie does hold up. It's not completely based off of, you know, me having some nostalgia watching it with my dad. Um, I still think I would I I love the interaction between Rico and Dolworth. Um, and even, you know, I think, you know, Jake is the track in there is is great, too. Um, so I, I would say for me, subjectively, I, I'm probably the professionals is going to squeak by. Um, I do wish it had better action. I do wish it had better pacing. But even that, the line, Raza's, you know, monologue about revolution at the end, I think also gets me. Um, it's just, it's so well delivered from Jack Palance, which is great because, I mean, he doesn't say shit in that movie until then. And, like, they save him and he does a, a stellar job um, with that that whole scene. Um, yeah, long story short, you know, I, I think it'll, it's, the professionals with you know the professional squeaking by maybe depending on my mood is which one i would rather i would talk about um and then semi-pro i i hope to never have to watch again like i, I think when we started the actual episode for semi-pro i told you i now know why i can't remember anything about this movie and it's because there's nothing to remember about it which could be problematic because that means in 10 years if someone asks to say semi-pro i'll be like i think i've seen that but yeah well, i we can go ahead and pop it in and then quickly i will realize no we need to switch the like i don't even want to finish this movie like it's not worth it yeah i've already made my my rankings clear but i think you brought up a good point i think it's also dependent upon mood i think the professionals is a much more hopeful movie 
it, it still has, you know, very deep seated, you know, messages about the world we live in today. But I do think it's a little bit more hopeful than the professional. So I think, mm -hmm. yeah, you brought up a good point. Depending on your mood, our ones and twos may slide, you know, back and forth. Yep, for sure, for sure. So now I'm I'm very interested because you teased you teased me you teased us the audience at the beginning of the episode Travis that you managed to take somebody out of semi pro to give them the grace of being in an actual good movie and I want to know what character <laughs> what character you took out of that dog shit universe and put into a place that they could actually shine. Well, my character is Dewey the Bear. <laughs> Um, I know we mentioned Dewey the Bear. We always talk about problematic people. Dewey the Bear killed someone. All right. I don't mean to minimize that. I did minimize that on the semi-pro review. But I want to put Dewey the Bear in The Professionals. Because one of my few complaints about The Professionals is the pacing that mid-second act where we're just watching horses ride around over and over again. And the professionals, they have several encounters with human opponents. But then I'm also thinking about just watching the professionals and even Young Guns a few weeks ago. It, it made me think of Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption 2. Have you played that? I have, yes. So the bear attacks in that, pretty well done. Pretty intimidating, pretty scary. Uh, I also think about a movie we've talked about off podcast, Brett, Annihilation. Uh-huh. The bear scene in that, very unsettling, very intimidating. I know you've seen it, but audience, if you haven't seen Annihilation, highest recommend from me. But that's why I would like to introduce Dewey the Bear. I would like to see the professionals try to tactically take on, you know, this 1,200-pound grizzly. I My favorite part right now... <laughs> Travis, is that uh, of of movies and games about bear attacks that you brought up Annihilation and Red Dead Redemption 2, but you did not bring up The Revenant, <laughs> where Leonardo DiCaprio is literally... I've not seen it, full disclosure. Oh, okay. Like, that's the whole thing about that movie is him being... Like, it is a... If nothing else, go ahead on YouTube and, and look up that clip. Like, it's... It's almost to the point it, it's, like, unreasonable that he survives the bear attack, but it is a vicious fucking bear attack in that movie that he survives. Um, so, yeah, just, like, to me, when I think of bear attacks in movies, that's where my mind goes. But, again, I love that you, that that's not. And, you know, maybe it is because you haven't seen it. Maybe it's because Red Dead Redemption 2 and Annihilation left a better would have left a better impression on you, but still. Uh, humorous well i'm just thinking about one of the things we loved about the professionals is these beautiful western vistas there's not cgi the shot is the shot we're in death valley california wherever the case may be coachella california so the visuals are perfect and that made me think of red dead redemption 2 because one of my favorite things about playing that game is just seeing the beautiful vistas and being able to interact with it and of course part of that is interacting with bears and I just thought that would be a nice change of pace to break up the middle of the movie of the professionals if they fought a bear. Yeah, and I think it also helps echo just how dangerous the terrain is because they talk about like them having to traverse, you know, basically from the Texas border down to where the Hacienda is and about how treacherous that, that you know, path is going to be. I think if some wildlife had been in there too, it, it would have, 
you know added to the suspense of like well you know at some point you're you're watching out for bandits but fuck bears are just as as you know lethal well and that's why i loved your chop shop for the professionals to bring in that supernatural element. I know that's what you were tasked with, but like just listening to you tell that story, the ambiance of being in a dark, you know, valley and you're hearing a scream off the canyon walls. Like, I love that. And then just imagine that's a bear's roar. Mm -hmm. And now you're in a canyon and there's only one way to go and you got to go through that bear. So I think that could have worked. And I mean, I think Dewey would have really appreciated that level of script, you know, cause he did not appreciate working on semi-pro because Hey, they're, they're boxing him in as an actor. And now he has a chance to really flex. Uh, I, I love that, that character. I was not, I was not expecting that whatsoever. Um, that was a fantastic character swap. Um, uh, mine is, well, mine is not, I feel like it's not going to be as good now. Um, I don't think I can live up to, to Dewey being in the professionals. But uh, my what do you got though? What do you got? My swap is I wanted to take Stan out of the professional and put him in the professionals as like a lieutenant to Raza, um, because one of the complaints we had is they they talk up Raza as this villain so much throughout the movie, um, and he never really quite quite lives up to that. And I was thinking what would be an interesting spin, because a lot of them is about he's a revolutionary turned bandit, but he still has that kind of revolutionary heart, you know? And I think at a certain point, you know, as much as he's willing to get his hands dirty, I think if he had a batshit crazy lieutenant who would also do even the dirtier work for him, that, you know, people might feel Raza or uh, fear Raza, but they they fear his lieutenant mo even more. Like, it's, it's almost like a, to take it to a Star Wars, you know? The, the original Star Wars A New Hope, there was always the threat of the Emperor, but really, the the villain, you know, the horror of, of A New Hope was Darth Vader, you know, the Emperor's hound dog. You know, he was, he was the enforcer, and I think if you were to take Stan and put him as an enforcer in the professionals, and maybe that's, that's the major confrontation, the battle is between Stan and the professionals, and then I think it allows Raza's monologue to stand even more on its own, because now he is more of a leader. And you don't have to focus so much on him being ruthless. You know, he's this ruthless bandit. Um, I think it, it might add a little bit to it. And I think it would be an interesting action sequence. You know, if even if the, the train sequence, you know, maybe Raza kills a couple of the soldiers by just, you know, basically executing them. But then you watch Stan. He takes out the rest of them. And the way Stan does it is just like almost crazy. Like, you know... Raza's quick shot to the back of the head, whereas maybe Stan is, you know, he's, he's shooting off limbs or almost torturing them to a degree or intentionally not killing them with the first shot, shot to make them suffer to send some kind of message. And again, Stan just becomes kind of this deranged lieutenant that, that adds a little bit more tension to the movie. Oh, that's amazing because, you know, if I had not gone with Dewey the Bear, I was trying to think about Stansfield. And I thought about putting him in the professionals because I felt like either side, either Grant's side or Raza's side, they needed that intimidating muscle presence. Mm -hmm. And I think Stansfield could have been on either side and played that role perfectly. So I love what you're doing there. Hell, I didn't even think about that. That would have been interesting if Stansfield was actually one of Grant's men that he – like basically part of the the contract is that Stan had to be like his eyes and ears and then Stan winds up being this crazy party 
in the professionals that he winds up like i know i said i don't like when you have fat that has to be killed but maybe stan winds up being the, like the professional that winds up dying but because like at a certain point you realize he's just corrupt and he he has to go and again it kind of again pushes that idea it instead of grant being a piece of shit bookending the movie stansfield winds up being kind of this avatar throughout the movie to remind you that you know to help you realize yes. that grant is not a good guy so by the time you the 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 big reveal is made that you know there was no ransom grant is basically trying to kidnap a woman to force him to stay with him you there's there's been the breadcrumbs set by stan throughout the movie to where like okay it is like he grant is a piece of shit he's just he's also rich and refuses to get his hands dirty which makes him even worse yes one of my favorite tropes and again tropes is not always a bad thing that's just something that appears and works in fiction but the the villain the muscle that's an extension of the main villain and i think stansfield could have been perfect like you said in the professionals on either side of of the conflict mm-hmm. all righty so we'll we'll go ahead we'll jump into our last segment here this is always the fun one we'll start with critics so what do you think who what is rated the highest via critics and what is to the lowest i will give you this this little nugget of information to see if it if, if it sways you um i'll do them in order that we reviewed them so semi pro has 161 reviews critic reviews leon the professional has 65 critic reviews and the professionals has 17 critic reviews so i just want you to have an idea of you know the the number of people who have reviewed the movie excuse me before before you make any decisions because i think that that can maybe sway what you think this is going to wind up being a little bit yeah i agree obviously the professionals reviews negative or positive could greatly influence that score that being said i still think the professionals is going to be the most well-reviewed movie of the trio which one and then followed by the professional and okay of course semi-pros last all right so your thought is the professionals leon the professional and then semi-pro correct all right do you want to guess percentages before i tell you the answer um so that, again the, say the professionals had a 86 okay i'm gonna say leon had 80 and i'm gonna say semi-pro had 10 okay and for the audience the reason we like to use rotten tomatoes is it is a pass or fail grade so we could use imdb and also imdb doesn't break out whether it's a or not to my knowledge breaks out whether it's a critic or just a, a reviewer um but we like just the did you like the movie did you not like the movie we don't have to get into the whole like how you know grading how much you liked it so you are correct in the order the professionals comes in at an 88 percent the professional Leon comes in at seventy-four, and Semi-Pro comes in at twenty-two percent, and that's critics. I did not expect critics to give it a twenty-two. Oh, I very much did. Oh, I expected again, it to be lower. As we talked about on the podcast, we've seen better movies from Will Ferrell that mm. are exactly this. So I could see why critics were just tired of it. I also like seeing one of the, the positive semi-pro reviews, a little thing is semi-pro is, to put it uh, chari charitably, semi-good. 
and I'm sure it will make a load of money. I don't know if I would say if something's semi-good, I don't... That's a, that's an interesting thing. If you were on the fence on doing a Rotten Tomatoes score, would you put it... Would you round up and give it a tomato, or would you round down and give it a splat? And I'm not saying just specifically in semi-pro, because we know where we're going to land on that one, but I'm like... To me, if a movie is a five, I would go down. Like the fact that it didn't, it couldn't even get me past the five mark. I would just, I would round that down that it's not worth watching. Agreed. Because you've mentioned before on this podcast many times, there's so much content out there. If something is just mediocre, yeah, I'm rounding down. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, you nailed that. You're actually pretty uh, close on, on most of the percentages. Do you want to go ahead and give a shot at where do you think the audiences ranked these three movies? And uh, I, will I give think you it's this. still going to be the same order because I think if an audience is taking the trouble to review something, it's going to be the professionals because it's a certain age of person and they have some nostalgia. So I think that's going to still – it's the same order – uh, are we talking about percentages again? Yeah, go ahead. I think it's fun to try and see if you can hit the percentage. Okay, I think on the professionals, I'm going to say 91%. Um, on the professional, I think some people who are triggered by the movie might come back and give it a low review, so I'll say 79. And then semi-pro, I think people are morons, so I think the number will be higher than I expect, but I'll still say 43%. All right. Um, you were close. You were close to some of them. Uh, the the audience is actually agree with you in terms of order. Leon came in at number one with a 95% approval rating. People love Leon. Uh, professionals wow. came in number two with an 81%. And Semi-Pro came in a third with a 38%. So the good thing is Semi-Pro, uh, critically and audience-wide, was not well-received. Um, that's not to say that there's not a portion of people out there that enjoyed that movie. Um, but, you know, it seems like the the overwhelming majority on both sides thought Semi-Pro was, was pretty shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives me some faith in movie-going audience. Yep. So uh, I think that kind of, you know, concludes us, wraps us up there. Um, I thought this was a fun trilogy. I'm glad that w I think we started with the weakest. And then, as we said, I think number two and three were, were pretty in line with one another. Um, different eras, a little bit, you know, different genre, but ultimately both of them very enjoyable, um, fun to watch. Uh, we recommended both of them. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to give any kind of teaser for the next trilogy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this podcast is very much getting into the mind of the two owners of the Hollywood Chop Shop. And I think living in the mind is a interesting premise for a movie. Just so, yeah, we went with the mind trilogy. You want to tell them what the three movies are? Um, you might have to help me cause I can only, oh no, I remember all three of them. Okay. I was like, I can't, I suggested two of them and I couldn't remember what the second <laughs> one was, which I'm a fucking idiot. So um, for our modern kind of streaming movie, we wanted we we're trying to see more of these movies that go, you know, <laughs> the modern version of straight to video, even though I think the quality is a little bit better than what it used to be. And, you know, the late 90s when something went straight to video, but we're doing reminiscent with Hugh Jackman. Um, so that's a he is a, a mind or memory detective. Our second one is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Jim Carrey looking at a, a more serious um you know role in that movie as opposed to his traditional kind of 
off-brand comedy. Um, and then to round it out, we wanted to go a little bit back in time. We felt those two were a little, little modern. Um, so we're going back to the 80s with Arnie in Total Recall. Yeah, and I think with our Tango and Cash review, <laughs> I think it'll be exciting to look at the genre of the mind through the late 80s, early 90s action movie. Absolutely. So uh, with that said, thank you all for joining us for another you know, fun wrap-up here. We hope to see you back for the, the Mind Trilogy. Travis, get your ass to the shop. Well, hey, buddy, this is going to come to a shock of both of us, but I'm a sucker for love. <laughs>